Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, estás escuchando So Violento So Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Dee. Y hoy Dee les contará de un crimen que pasó en la Ciudad de México. Hate crimes and incidents can range from insult to insinuating other hatred, serious physical assault, and murder. Según la letra S, una organización dedicada y difundir información de las personas de LGBT y de quienes viven con VIH, declaran que en el 2020 al menos de 22 hombres gay fueron asesinados en México. Ellos acumularon al menos de 28% del total de homicidios a la gente de LGBT. Muchos de, estos, muchos de estos hombres fueron asesinados en sus domicilios u hoteles después de ligar comprometidos en lugares públicos como los bares, cantinas, parques, plazas o aplicaciones de ligar. En el caso de hoy, hablaremos de un ex militar que se volvió asesino serial, que mató a hombres homosexuales y cuyos restos fueron puestos en maletas negras y fueron abandonados en estacionamientos de metro por toda la Ciudad de México. Este es el caso de Raúl Ociel Marquín Reyes, más conocido como el sádico o el asesino del arco iris. Simplemente se me facilitaban estas víctimas y por eso no me remuerde. Advertencia, la información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tengan en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning, the information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape and violence. Listen with caution. Raúl Ociel Maroquín Reyes nació el 1 de septiembre de 1980 
en Tampico, Tamaulipas. Poco se conoce de su niñez. Él mencionó en una entrevista que durante su infancia, él era un niño, un niño normal, tenía un buen hogar, creció con, con mucho amor. Pero en otros medios mencionaron que su papá era muy abusivo y que le inculcó el machismo y el violencia a los homosexuales. Y eso causó su odio a los homosexuales. So well, his dad just implemented this like negative thinking. Yeah, yeah. So as he grew, as a kid, when he started growing up, he started to really hate gay men. Okay. Um, according to different articles, during this this part of of, of time in in uh, Mexico, um, se veía más la homosexualidad. Y cuando fue creciendo, era cuando los estados empezaron a abrirse un poco más a same-sex mar same marriages. So he would see it more often. And um, he just kind of just kept saying that he just didn't like it. He didn't accept it. Yeah, he didn't yeah. accept it. He didn't say, he said he was not homophobic, but he just didn't accept it. Okay, and his dad, like, he was very, like, he just, he obviously didn't accept it. Yeah, his father didn't accept really it. really against it. Yeah, but there's, like, no concrete quote about it. They're just saying okay. that that's where it came from. That but was obviously with the, his yeah. behavior, it just... That's, yeah, that's, that's where it was what, all rooted that's from. That's what they think, that the dad was like this. Yeah. Okay. Hay otros artículos que también dicen que fue miembro del ejército. Y estuvo en el ejército por cuatro años. Y que al terminar sus cuatro años... Eh, para el siguiente año quería entrar a medicina so he wanted to be part of the military within their doctorate division so he could become a doctor pero por recursos económicos no pudo ejercer en el ejército entonces salió del ejército y es cuando empezó a robar mm. y durante este tiempo empezó a robar y empezó a tomar uh, He, he became violent during this, these um, robberies. He was, like, aggressive? Like he violent? was aggressive. So, in one of these robberies, he ended up going to jail. Y estaba en la cárcel desde el mayo del 2004 hasta agosto del 2005. And was so, he robbing just any anyone? Or yeah. specifically? No, he just wanted to get easy money. So, okay, so he was okay. just in general. as a Just in general, everybody. It wasn't a specific group. Okay. Durante... Este tiempo se mudó a, a, a Mexico City con Juan Enrique. Y en este tiempo, eh, ellos dos van a México para... Just to kind of clear his record. Start fresh. Um, didn't want to have any sort of trace that he was in jail. So he goes and moves into Mexico City. Durante el tiempo en la Ciudad de México, Raúl comenzó a buscar empleo. Dicen que empezó a hacer como albañil o en construcción... So there's no real details on what he was doing, but he was trying to find jobs in Mexico City. En, un po en el tiempo que estuvieron en, en, en Mexico City, Raúl dice que le ofreció a Juan Enrique que empezaran a asaltar a la gente otra vez. He's like, let's just do it. Asaltamos a la gente y se secuestramos a estas personas y agarramos dinero por secuestros. Especially because during this time in, in the early 2000s, se conocía mucho que había muchos secuestros en, en big cities. So he was like, this is easy money. We're start acting like if we're like, you know, secuestradores. Y vamos a agarrar dinero y los dejamos ir. So they're like, okay, yeah, it's fine. 
pero no sabían como qué tipo de personas iban a secuestrar. No sabían que se iban a ir por hombres, mujeres. Entonces, como Older que... people, young, yeah. they weren't sure. So they were still, like, in that gray zone. En unas de estas partes de, de, su, de su plan, empezaron a decir, pues, ¿por qué no vamos contra los homosexuales? Viven cerca de la zona rosa. Vamos a secuestrar a la gente más vulnerable que viene siendo gay men. I know. It's sad. En, en eso empezaron a ir a los clubes y a los bares y a, a las zonas donde la gente gay iban a, a, a divertirse y empezaban a like to, to kind of acasando a la gente. So they would start looking around, try to identify who was the easy prey and what they were into. Like who, what's the type of person they were into? Whether it was like tall person, skinny person, what, what kind of vibe they, they were getting like the type of wardrobe they would wear or anything that would catch gay men's attention. Y cuando van al primer um, bar que se llama La Cabaritas, which is like a little cabaret in English, en la zona rosa. Empe eh, Raúl se sienta en el bar y empieza a actuar así como normal. Empieza a ver a la gente y atrapa el ojo de Juan Carlos Alfaro Alba, which we're gonna, just going to call him Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos es un estudiante de 20 años y dicen que no era muy casual de ligar a, a otros hombres gay, pero vio que Raúl nomás se le estaba quedando viendo. Entonces él se le acerca a Raúl and they start having a conversation. They start getting along real well and And even his friends were like, wow, you know, he's getting along with this guy. Like, this is the first time he gets, like, the attention of another male. They were male. excited for him. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, you're at a bar, you, your friends are meeting other people, and, like, you're like, oh, my God, she's, like, this person's finally getting, yeah, you know, the attention like, that they deserve. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you just, yeah. So his friends were really excited. They weren't thinking anything bad. Exactly. Yeah. Pero lo que se conocía de Juan Carlos es de que él no, él casualmente no se iba con los hombres que conocían en el bar. So he would just get their phone number and, you know, talk, talk and talk later. and stuff. Yeah. Pero como Raúl era bien caris carismático, dijo, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go with him. Which turned out to not be such a great idea. Yeah. So empiezan a salir del bar, se entran al taxi y se van a un hotel que estaba cerca de, del, del cabaret. Llegan allí, empiezan a, you know, get into the moment. En unos reportajes dicen que Raúl besó a Juan Carlos. So he's the one that made the first move. Y en esto, Juan Carlos dice, ¿sabes qué? Voy a arreglarme un drink. You know, do you want a drink? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, okay. So he, he goes to the kitchen. Juan Carlos is sitting there, you know, kind of nervous because he hasn't been with somebody in a long time. Before. Next thing you know, he's being strangled with a plastic bag over his head. Oh, shit. Se desmaya y cuando regresa, he notices that he's being hung by What? a hook. So he's like he's tied up and being hung by a hook. Not strangled, but just being hung by a hook. When he wakes up from this strangulation, he realizes that Raúl isn't by himself. Que está con Juan Enrique. Durante este momento, Raúl le dice... 
le empieza a decir cosas homofóbicas y le empieza a insultar y lo empieza a pegar. Y también durante estos momentos escucha que Juan Enrique empieza a hablarle a los, a los papás de, de Juan Carlos. Pero no... They don't result into anything because they know that Juan Carlos' family doesn't have enough money to pay the rescate. So he lets him, strangles him again until he goes unconscious and then leaves. A lot of um, investigators say that the reason he didn't kill him was because they still didn't have an actual plan on how to execute the body. So he, they kind of let him go and just kind of forget the idea that it had ever happened because they didn't know what to do with him. So they let him go. Okay. I know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> this all so their intent was just to derrogarle, agarrar dinero, and, and just leave. That was their intent. They yeah. weren't trying to kill him. Yeah, they didn't know... They didn't know what to do after, basically. Yeah. So they didn't know, should we strangle him and then dump him somewhere? Should we strangle him and, like, leave the apartment? I mean, the hotel? Or should we strangle him and murder him? Like, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know. So they, they just, just knew that they wanted to get money out of it, but they didn't have an exact plan yeah. on what to do with the body because they didn't think they were going to execute it. So they just knew they could do it because they've done it before, but this is, like, their first sequestro. So no sabían qué hacer después. Todo esto pasó el 21 de octubre de 2005. So it was like literally months after he got out of jail. It wasn't even years or anything. It was just literally months before leaving jail. Su segunda secuestro era Jonathan Razo Ayala. Pero también este fue su primer asesinato. Era un estudiante de 20 años también que conoció en el mismo bar. Y fue la misma característica donde... El muchacho estaba en el bar, él lo sigue viendo hasta que agarra su atención y el muchacho viene hacia él a hablar con Raúl. This happened over and over again with each person that they tried to bring into the um, into their whole trap. En esta en este secuestro, Raúl exigió un rescate de mil pesos, que viene siendo como five thousand dollars around that time. El, el secuestro duró desde el 27 de octubre hasta el 12 de noviembre, noviembre que viene siendo como dos semanas y medio um, del tiempo que estuvo secuestrado. Eh, durante ese tiempo, eh, él fue torturado y físicamente y verbalmente. So, he was verbally abused by, by Raúl and Juan Enrique. And um, cuando pidieron el rescate se lo pagaron inmediatamente so they were paid off and they were reassuring that they were going to let them go but this time they didn't do it they strangled him they mutilated his body su cadáver fue encontrado el 12 de noviembre en una maleta negra en el metro de Chabacano so they actually got the money for him mm -hmm. and they end up killing him yes y con el primero no agarraron nada and they just let him go yeah Which is, isn't it completely it bizarre? Make sense. That's the, that's the thing that they were, that the investigators were talking about. They're like, why is it that he let the first person go? Yeah. And in many interviews, he says, because we didn't have a plan. We okay. didn't, like, we couldn't that. execute the plan. 
So we just decided to let him go because we didn't know what to do. Su tercera víctima se llamaba Ricardo López Hernández. Este joven lo secuestraron el 30 de noviembre en el mismo bar. Ricardo le pasó su tarjeta de negocio que decía que era un empleado de una televisora. So he was an employee from like a, a highly prestige televised um, channel. Que puede ser, you know, any, any of the two big ones that, that were in the city. Él, él exigió el rescate de 120 mil pesos, pero la familia solo podía obtener 28 mil pesos, que viene siendo $2,000 during that time. Al pagar los uh, 28 mil pesos, la familia de Ricardo le pidió la ayuda a las autoridades. So this was the first actual case that was taken to the authorities um, por el rescate de, de, de uno de esos hombres. La policía hizo todo lo posible para empezar a investigar quién eran estos, estos asaltantes um, because he was part of a high televised firm. As we know, if there isn't any sort of push from like a televisora, if they're not famous, if they're not part of the police money. officers, yeah, if they don't have money, there's not a lot that they do. And this was the first um, victim that they decided to start investigating these cases from. Durante este tiempo, las autoridades empezaron a tomar los casos de homicida más en serio. Ya no que question, not to, not to interrupt. Yeah. What happened, um, the first one se llamaba Juan Carlos? Uh, yes. Juan Carlos, did he ever go to the authorities to make a report or? No. He didn't. Okay. No. According to um, investigators, he did not go to the authorities because as a gay man, they feel like that he, he felt like he, they wouldn't take his case seriously. Ah, uh, okay. Y cuando la familia de, um, de uh, Jonathan went to the authorities... Again, swept under the rug. And I'll talk more about this whole situation further down the line. Pero la razón que Raúl y Juan Enrique fueron hacia estas personas fue porque sabían que las autoridades no iban a hacer nada. Porque eran hombres gay en la Ciudad de México. Un típico país, no típico, pero un país que cree mucho en el machismo y que la homosexualidad no es parte de la normalidad. Ricardo López fue asesinado el 9 de diciembre después de haber uh, sido secuestrado y torturado por nueve días. Su cadáver fue descubierto en una maleta también en el metro. So, as you can tell, his pattern is the same. He goes to the bar, the same bar, lo secuestra y pone su, su cuerpo en una maleta negra y los deja en el metro. José Ricardo Galindo Valdé fue secuestrado el 13 de diciembre del 2005. Raúl se comunicó con la madre de, de José Ricardo y pidió un rescate. Él no, de, no dice cuánto fue el, el rescate, pero pide un rescate por, por José. La madre, al oír que su hijo estaba secuestrado, le rogó a Raúl que no lo malastimara. Ella le explicó que no tenía dinero para el rescate. Hmm. I know. El asesino, en vez de, de seguir torturando a José y matarlo, lo dejó ir. 
Really? Yes. A lot of investigators say that this is like the only sort of empathy that really shows so, within yeah. his characteristic was the fact that this man didn't, his family didn't have enough money. So he decided to let him go. Y lo más interesante es de que Raúl, durante su tiempo de cazar a sus víctimas, les preguntaba en dónde trabajaban, qué hacían, like, try to get information from them to basically figure out if he had, they, that person had money or their family had money. Cuando atrapó a José, no sabía si él tenía dinero o no. Y cuando hizo la llamada y su mamá no dijo que no tenía dinero, he just let him go. Let him go. That's really interesting because any other, like any, we've heard like other cases with yeah. other serial killers, they're like, I don't care. I'm going to kill them. They saw me already, so. Exactly. I'm just going to kill him. Exactly. And and, wow. in one, and in one of his interviews, he says, why did you let him go? He's like, well, he didn't have money. And that's it. He just says that he didn't have money. Yeah. So that's why he decided to let him go, which was, which is really interesting to me. Yeah. Because um, it's out of out of character, especially based on his pattern that that he's done in the past. Su próxima próxima víctima se llama Armando Rivas Pérez, de 25 años de edad. Fue secuestrado el 16 de diciembre del 2005. Ese día fue matado. Llamaron para su rescate y la familia pagó. Ese día, todo el dinero que pidió. Y de todos modos lo mató. Lo mataron. Which is, again, tragic. But the fact that the, fam the family paid right, like right, right away, and he had just let somebody go, shows the, the difference of, of um, his intent within, within his um, pattern. Yeah. Su última... Víctima se llamaba Víctor Ángel Iván Gutiérrez, de 25 años de edad, y fue secuestrado el 16 de diciembre. This is the... Wow, the other one was the 15th, right? No, it was the same day. The same day, oh wow. So the interesting part is that he started to become very cocky yeah. in the way that he uh -huh. murdered, which is usually the way that a lot of serial killers fuck up and get caught. That's what they get caught, yeah. Porque durante las investigaciones le preguntaron, ¿por qué hiciste esto? It's out of your pattern. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, because I thought it would have been, like, it, I thought that I could do it. Yeah. He's like, so I did it. He's like, I went out to the bar, got this person, and got in contact with Victor Ángel that same day and asked to meet him later on. He met Armando el 15 okay. en la noche. Lo llevó a su casa y lo secuestró. Agarró el dinero de esa misma noche. Fue en la noche a encontrar a Víctor Ángel. Lo trajo para atrás en la casa. Cuando lo llevó a la casa, vio que Armando estaba allí. So he kind of, like, when Víctor saw that, he realized that he was coming into a situation where he wasn't going to get out either, basically. So durante este tiempo ya habían dos cuerpos en el apartamento. Y en los dos, dos casos pidieron el rescate. Oh, hold on. So, Victor was uh -huh. the, the last victim, right? Yes. So, he saw the previous victim's body in, in, the, the, apart house. in the apartment. Yes, in the apartment. And that's when he's all like, oh, shit, like, something's going... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, it, out of all of this, he knew he couldn't get out of this. Yeah. Because his fate was already the same fate that the other person the had previous person. Okay. Exactly. Lo, mantu lo mantuvieron secuestrado por seis días. So, a la diferencia de... de 
um, Armando, Víctor estuvo en, en el apartamento por seis días con un cuerpo muriéndose en el mismo cuarto de que estaba el secuestrado. So, yeah, I know. It's, it's wow. kind of... Yeah. Pidieron el rescate de mil pesos, que viene siendo como $800 um, during that time. Y lo mataron el 22 de diciembre de, del, del mismo mes. Esta fue la última víctima que secuestraron y que mataron. Y ahora el problema que concluye es de que cómo van a deshacerse de los dos cuerpos. Entonces, hacen el mismo plan. This, they, they, um, they dislocate body parts, they stuff it in a maleta negra, y dicen que van a hacer lo mismo. Lo van a llevar al metro y ahí lo van a dejar. Pero lo que no pensaron es de que los dos cuerpos en una maleta pesa más que una persona en una maleta. Wait, they put both in one maleta. Mm -hmm. So they stuffed that maleta to the brim with both bodies and they were going to do the same trip yeah. of take them to the metro. Pero lo que no pensaron es de que iba a pesar más yeah, yeah, esta yeah. maleta okay. que cuando... I thought cuando... they took them in separate maletas but not in the same one. It's in the same okay. one. So they take the suitcase and they realize it's too heavy to Obviously. take anywhere. Yeah. So they drag it out of the apartment They take it down the apartment and they leave it on the roadside a hundred meters away from their apartment. So it's not even that far away yeah, it's not. from their apartment. Oh, yeah. The bodies were found by someone in that neighborhood at 8 p.m. And they called the police to report the bodies that were mm -hmm. found. The police arrived to the scene around... After 8 p.m., and trace the tires of the suitcase back to the apartment. Yeah, yeah I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's just. Yes. I'm glad these two guys were stupid enough exactly. to do this because that's how they got caught. Exactly. But here's the thing due to the fact that um, they didn't have a warrant. To go into the apartment, the police had to wait. Mm. During this time, Juan Enrique y Raúl se separan. Se separan porque Juan Enrique agarró un boleto para irse a Tamaulipas de regreso. Let me remind you, this is around December, so he's going to go back to Tamaulipas to visit his family. Y Raúl no quiso regresar. So he was basically around the city, but not in his apartment. It's not clear what they say where he was at or if he went to Tamaulipas también y regresó. Pero el punto es de que la policía uh, gets a warrant for the apartment. So they go into the apartment, yeah. but the apartment is empty. Yeah. However, when they open the apartment, they see the horrendous scene. There's blood everywhere, and they see the, the uh, makeshift hook where they would hang their victims from. During this whole situation, they find um, credenciales del lector. Encuentran eh, fotos de las víctimas. También encuentran documentos de Juan Enrique y de Raúl por el apartamento, like their birth certificates or like 
They couldn't sell us and stuff. They also find bank statements for the um, sequestros, like the money that they would get from the sequestros. But the most interesting part is that they had opened three different accounts with the name of the first person that they could sequestrar, they, um, Juan Carlos. So they had three bank accounts with his name on that they had made in order for them to um, extract the money that they were being given from uh, the different families. So because they had the idea of Juan Carlos um, and uh, they were able to open uh, different bank accounts with that, um, with that credencial, um, that's how they were able to extract the money that they were um, asking for during the sequestros. So that's how it's it It's interesting how like they left everything there. Yeah. Like every proof, they just left it right there for the police to find. But it also shows how, how stupid they were. They were careless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They became very confident what they were doing, oh, yeah. and they thought they Super weren't going to get caught. Oh, yeah. So that's why everything was there. Pero durante su investigación también encontraron un boleto, like a receipt of uh, de viaje que Juan Enrique iba a ir a Tamaulipas. So they knew that he wasn't going to be in the city. Yeah. Or at least he didn't have a return date for when he was going to come back. So they have evidence that at least... The, there was two people that were committing the crimes and there was um, identification for the people that they actually uh, sequestraron or mataron. Mm-hmm. So that's so far the evidence that they had. That's enough evidence. Yeah, definitely. On January 23rd of 2006, so right after the holidays, Raul... Um, approaches the crime scene of where the police was staking out the apartment and he just kept going back and forth, back and forth. So the cops end up approaching him and it's like, oh, are you are you here for like something? Like, are you came to visit somebody? Y él dice, no es de que yo era um, he was the roommate of somebody that lived in that apartment. So he doesn't say who or anything. He just says that he was a roommate of somebody and he just wanted to know what was going on. So the police was like, oh, okay, so if you were you lived in the apartment, we're going to take you to the police station to give an interview of uh, what's, of what you know. But mind you, the police already had an identification of who Raul was. They had a picture and they had so a they photo. So they recognized them. Yes. So cuando lo pusieron en, en, el, en la patrulla, lo sentaron atrás. Y Raul dice, yo sé por qué... ¿Por qué me tienen aquí? Y la policía le pregunta, you know, uh-huh. why? They're trying to act dumb like they don't yeah. know. Like, what, They're yeah. just trying to act dumb about yeah, the whole situation. Obviously. Y Raúl dice, es que ustedes ya saben que yo soy el que, soy el asesino que, que cometió los crímenes mm-hmm. y, y me quieren investigar. So that's how they basically yeah. um, arrested him. So it wasn't mm-hmm. even like a chase or anything. He, they, he literally walked into it. Didn't fucking care at this point, basically. Cuando lo llevaron a la delegación, empezó a confesar su crimen y empezó a explicar por qué hacía estos crímenes. During his time in custody, he also declared that um, the reason uh, he didn't continue killing other gay men was because he was waiting for Juan Enrique to return from Tamaulipas. So he literally said that he already had three victims in mind to continue his murder spree 
but he was waiting for Juan Enrique to come back because he felt like he couldn't do it himself. So he was just waiting for him to come back after the holidays. While the investigation was going on, they also found that um, one of the victims that he had murdered had a pentagram, an upside down pentagram, carved into his forehead. Um, and they asked Raul, why did he do that? Y Raul dice que it was a way for him to throw off the police. So he was like, I did it so you guys could think it was like a satanic cult that was doing all these crimes and kind of like drift away from us. But he didn't do it enough or did it in the beginning. So the police just thought it was odd that he yeah. just did it to one one of his victims. Yeah. Mm -hmm. After his all his confession and talking about the crimes, um, they ended up taking him to court. And the judicial system declared him guilty for four counts of murder and six counts of kidnapping. He was sentenced to 280 years in prison. Currently, he's detained and serving sentence in the Peninsula del Distrito Federal, or Mexico City, uh, how it's known now. Um, authorities also declared that um, the murdered victims that they that they found um, could have been even more because um, they know that he had at least one victim that was sequestrado, pero que no 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 había matado. So they're saying that there was probably even more victims before that. Um, because if he did this before, like, where he didn't kill anybody, there must have been more victims that he sequestered and everything, but they haven't come out because they thought the police wouldn't do anything about it. So that's why they didn't come out and say anything. Yeah. According to different articles, they say that Juan Enrique was never found. However, some declared that he was found in 2013 and was sentenced um, and is in sentenced for six uh, counts of kidnapping but there's no real confirmation whether he was actually found or not it was just kind of like rumored around yeah yeah they also said that juan carlos and raul actually had a relationship so <laughs> yeah i know so they said that they were so homophobic to the point of killing these men and torturing these men But in reality, they had a very, um, they had a relationship. Even though Raul denies them ever having a relationship, they just said that they were partners and that they wanted to commit these crimes. But a lot of investigators said that there's no possible way for them to have this much hatred against the homophobic community, I mean, the uh, homosexual community, to not have some sort of sexual tendencies between either each other or to other men. Because, as I mentioned before, Raul was always the one that waited for his victims to come to him. So he wasn't going after them. He kind of said, if they want to come to me, then, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I can to bring them back to the apartment. But if you think about it, a lot of these um, actions had to come from somewhere, you know, to be charismatic, to be approachable. There had to be some sort of sexual gratification for him to do these types of um, acts. Um, it's not so willingly of him to do it. There, there must have been something um, that he was repressing But during the situation. But he never admitted or anything. Exactly. There was so much hatred. It, it was. In one of his uh, interviews with the media, Raúl declared that homosexuals are an evil for society, as well as saying that they were a bad example to kids. 
And that's the that's the reason he would kill wow. these people. These men. I know. Yeah. <laughs> also that, Wow, that's Yeah. That's like straight up like homophobic. Oh yeah. 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 And it came from somewhere. Probably yeah. his like you said in the beginning, his dad. Yeah, his dad. And also I also feel like there must have been some um some sexual deprivation that he couldn't release. And and that's why he, he thought of gay men this way and and thought of them as something way worse than than what it was. During his capture, um, the authorities actually told him that one of his victims was suffering from HIV. And in one of the interviews, he said, Una de mis víctimas era portador del VIH. Y de cierta manera, evité la propagación de este virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I wish you guys could, like, to record reactions because I'm like yes you're completely shocked and that's the same face that I did when I heard that exact quote he literally kind of honors himself as a way of stopping I saved all of you yeah like I did society a favor in a way yeah I know he is also known by uh, people that studied him um, while well, he's in, incarcerated as a megalomático. If you remember, I did a case a couple of months ago, basically, yeah. that talked about this type of mm-hmm. um, uh, this this top type of uh, characteristic or um, trait within a, a killer. And um, this basically means, to refresh everybody's memory, um, that a person is obsessed with their own power. And they get some sort of gratification from the torture of their victims. Y en este caso, Raúl tenía eso. Tenía, la, um, tenía el poder de estos hombres uh, gay. Y pensó que él estaba haciéndole un favor a la comunidad de, 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 de limpiar o purificar eh, la sociedad por los crímenes que estaba haciendo. Entonces... También estos psicólogos empezaron a verlo como un narcisista. Porque sabiendo un narcisista se cree poderoso, se cree que está haciendo algo bueno, que está... He's they being detached. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're full yeah. of themselves. They're detaching from uh, reality, basically. He also mentioned um, that in an interview que nunca he pensado en las víctimas y sus familias. No había odio contra ellos por ser homosexuales. No había traumas en mi niñez. En mi niñez fue normal de violar, viol, violaciones y golpeos. So he was basically saying, I'm not homosexual. I'm, I'm not homophobic. I, I don't care about these homosexuals. And no, there wasn't any trauma in my childhood. There wasn't any abuse. So... Where does this hate come from, basically? You know? It's almost like he's being, um, what's the word? He's just contradicting himself. Yeah. Because with that quote, when you compare to the other quote, yeah, like the other quote that he was saying, it sounds very homophobic, and now he's saying, I'm not. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, like, a lot of um, news outlets and uh, podcasts that I had listened to were saying. Like, he's very contradic- contradicting when it comes to his um, his words. 
porque en una manera dice que he's doing a, something good society for society by yeah. um, cleaning and purifying mm -hmm. the society and then there's another part of him that says I'm not homophobic but all these other things are showing that he's homophobic yeah según Francisco Gutiérrez, el jefe del, del Departamento de Psicología Básica, explicó, quote, es un asesino serial organizado. ¿Qué significa organizado? Es un asesino serial que se da cuenta de las trascendencias de sus actos. Es una persona que puede llegar a tener elementos precautorios como usar guantes, pasamontañas, y movilizar a sus víctimas para evitar que se escapen. También agregó que puede llegar a considerar la posibilidad de tener la menor cantidad de obstáculos, estudiando a la zona de su perfil y organizar de poder escapar y no ser identificado. So, basically, in summarizing it, he's saying that he was very good at going to these bars identifying his victims, getting information of them, and kind of leaving unidentified by everybody around them. Because trust me, like he's been to these bars multiple times and not one time was he kind of pointed out by... Was there a question by anyone? The, yeah, like saying, oh, well, that person went with that person. Yeah. And that person went with that person. Like nobody was able to like kind of narrow it down of what all these people, all these men had in common. They just assumed that um, he was just another person at the bar. Me desplazaba yo en lugares frecuentados por homosexuales. En este lugar, ellos mismos me hablaban a mí, me abordaban. Platicábamos un rato y ya fuera en ese mismo momento o posteriormente los invitaba a mi departamento, accedían, iban por voluntad propia y en este lugar los sometía. De hecho, ahora que estoy detenido, tengo información de que una de mis víctimas era portador del VIH. En cierta manera, evité la propagación de ese virus. Y este fue el caso de Raúl Ociel Marroquín Reyes, el sádico o el asesino del arco iris. And they never found the other... Well, yeah, some some say that he was never found. Yeah. And, there was, and they, were always, he, they were always posting him on the news. But other articles said that he was found and he was sent to jail in 2013. Okay. But there's no real confirmation. It, okay. It's just Sorry. being like rumored that he was actually caught. But officially, nobody has seen him. His family, they never contacted the family nope. just to see nothing. They said that there was no whereabouts of him, that they couldn't find him. There was like, they went to Tamaulipas, they tried to look for him through his family, and everybody said that. That they, they don't know where he was at. He probably didn't even go to Tamaulipas. Maybe he just, like, bought this ticket just to, yeah. you know, just to throw them off, and he went somewhere else. Yeah. I'm assuming that by the the time that they got the, like, police started to trace the the these crimes based on that person that worked in the uh, television, he kind of already knew. Porque, ¿Por qué será que él se fue y Raúl se quedó? You know, yeah. I feel like he already knew that they were in, like onto their trace, especially after leaving the maletas out in their front porch, basically. Yeah. So I feel he already kind of had a, a, a thought about it and just vanished. 
Well, hopefully what they're saying that in 2013 they caught him, I'm hoping it's true because if not, he's still out there. Exactly. And that's scary. That's frightening. That's that's terrifying. Like, he was part of all these murders and for him not to be caught, that's, yeah. that's, that's scary. It is. Yeah. And this goes to, you know, like, um, just in general, everyone. When you're at a bar and highlight this, like, really want to highlight this. In a bar, if you're out with your friends, your friend meets someone and they're like, I'm going to leave with them. Don't. Please don't leave them alone. Exactly. Don't leave them alone. Don't be like, oh, my friend's having fun. She, he, they never do this. They met this cool person. Well, let them go. Don't. 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 Please watch out for your friends because you don't know the type of person that they might be meeting. Exactly. Like, if anything, they're like, okay, you met this cool person, get their phone number, get their get their, get their social account, and bounce. Yeah. And it's it, I feel like that's just protocol because yeah. you can't leave your friends behind. If you love your friends and if you care about your friends, you're not going to leave them behind. And this is just... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I get it. It's, it's hard to date. It's hard to meet people. But for the love of God, don't do that. It's a red sign, like oh, a yeah. red flag, you know? Like, it's happened with so many cases where the, yeah. the people meet someone, they leave, and then unfortunately, they don't, this happens. Yeah, they, they just sadly pass away because they don't know who they're going to, you yeah. know, the apartment with or to a hotel with. You know, always be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Just because this person seems nice. Because he seems charismatic doesn't mean he's the one or that you should sleep with him right there. And then it's like, take your time, get to know a person or, you know, try to meet somewhere that's not like their apartment, at least. Or like, just be careful. Always trust your gut. Just stay there. Exactly. We're not telling you guys to be paranoid. We just want you guys to be aware. <laughs> yeah. I be mean, aware of your surroundings. Maybe that's why I'm single, but still, like... <laughs> Just be aware. <laughs> Definitely. Just be aware of the fact that there's people out there that don't have the right intentions. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, they might be great. They might be fun. But be careful. Trust your gut. If something's telling you don't go with this person, don't go. And and there's like a... Um, somewhere that I read that Juan Carlos, when he had met Raul, and like his friends, you know, left them to be mm-hmm. them, themselves... A part of him didn't want to go to his um, this hotel with him. But something told him not to go. But he still went. And sadly, all of this happened where he, lo secuestraron y, y lo torturaron y lo dejaron allí en un hotel. Like, uh, luckily, he was left to, to, you know, yeah, survive him. this. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of these other people didn't survive. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, it's like, if your gut's telling you, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. You know? Don't leave your friends behind. Exactly. But also, um, this is just another tragic case of people that are homosexual or part of the LGBT suffering at the hands of machismo. Yeah. And um, a country that still doesn't protect these beautiful, innocent people, you know? Yeah. That they're still finding it repulsive that these people exist. And... Um, you know, it's it's tragic to see um, a case like this, um, especially because you know we usually do these cases and find other you know murders, but um, finding uh, a murder like this, like a serial killer like this, really breaks my heart because it's like the all these people, all these gay men, all they're doing is looking for love, you know, yeah. 
or yeah, looking for a one night stand, but still looking for for something. The connection. Yeah, like something normal, a connection with somebody. But they tragically meet their end at because the hands of, of their sexuality. Yeah, it's like just because they were gay, they 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 were murdered, yeah. and it, it it breaks my heart because it's like love is love, and people shouldn't die because of who they love and who they people think they shouldn't be loving yeah you know and if you don't agree with you know if you don't agree with that then it's just okay then that's you yeah they're not harming you yeah they're not doing anything to you so leave leave them alone yeah it's like i'm sorry but like nobody's judging you for liking who you like like these people aren't doing anything to you they're not putting a, a halt to your life you know they just love who they love and if you don't accept that that's your issue not yeah. anybody else's you know start stop trying to clear society by killing off people that aren't doing anything to you that aren't physically harming you or or doing anything to stop you from being you you know but, um yeah it's just a very it's tragic, tragic. for me yeah. Um, so, like, once again, we open the conversation to you guys. What do you guys think about this case? Um, if you have any information on this case also, that would be interesting. I, I would like to know anything you guys have to say about this case. Um, and yeah, uh, we're open to hear your opinions. Um, do you think that uh, Juan Enrique was found? Um, do you think that, you know that Raul was possibly gay and repre- like repressing his own sexual tendencies um, we want to know about you you know let us know what you think um, talk to us let us know um, and yeah um, we're here to hear from you guys we'll put some polls and um, Q&A's on our Spotify so uh, check that out um, and maybe you know we'll post it on our Instagram stories or whatever so you know keep a lookout for that uh, and yeah, we can't wait to hear from you guys. Um, if you have any questions or want to talk to us or DM us or, you know, anything, uh, you can find us on our social media um, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as uh, arroba SVSM underscore podcast or on Facebook as Soy Violento Summer Cover Podcast. You could also listen to our episodes on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook Podcasts, even Google Podcasts. Um, and uh, We're everywhere, everywhere <laughs> where you could stream our podcast. Um, but yeah, leave us a, you know, rate review, um, subscribe or follow us or whatever. Um, those things do. Um, we would cool really appreciate things, it. Please give us some, you know, show us some love, please. <laughs> yes, please. Um, leave, leave us some comments. Um, let other people know about our podcast by sharing it. And, um, yeah, we really, really appreciate it. We appreciate the love and the support from you guys. And, um, yeah, we'll yeah. talk to you guys next week. You guys have all been wonderful, and we really appreciate everyone's support. Definitely. And um, to our friends, we love you guys. Thanks for doing what you do. <laughs> our family, our friends, all, like, our new listeners, all the features that, you know, where we've been featured, we yeah. really appreciate it. Definitely. Uh, for for all those um, articles, it's, it's really... Um, we're really grateful for yeah, those. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. I know. Yeah. We, we never <laughs> expected them, but uh, here we are. <laughs> uh, we'll catch you guys, you know, next week. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, and yeah. Stay safe. Stay safe. 
um, and stay spooky. Bye. Bye.